Amen. Happy Sabbath, everyone. Good afternoon. All right. Um, praise God for the, the, the truth that already has gone forth. And one of those things is, as Swinton ended by saying that um, Satan fall from heaven, that it's a principle. Every time we receive truth, he falls from the heaven of our minds. You know, he falls from hold because he deceives us, and it's through that deception that he has control over us. And whenever Christ reveals truth to us and we receive it, he fell from our mind. That, that error that was holding us captive, because Isaiah 5, 13 or 14 says, that is by a loss of knowledge is how we go into captivity. So when God gives us back the knowledge, we're no longer in captivity. And one of the things that Satan is doing at the end of the world to Seventh-day Adventists is he's making them lukewarm. Once Christ went into the most holy place, you can see this illustration in Gethsemane. Once he went into the most holy place and he went a little further to go pray and, and stand before the Father as our representative, he took three people with him. He took Peter, James, and John, and he left the other nine outside. The other nine represents the Protestant churches. They're left outside. They don't even get to come into the garden. And he brought the three into the garden, and they represent the people of the first, second, and third angel's message. And what was told to them? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. So from October 22nd, the people of the third angel's message was to watch and pray. But Ellen White says, a supernatural sleeping spell came upon them. There was a power to lull the disciples to sleep. And throughout, throughout the time, Christ was trying to wake up Advent and say, watch with me, watch with me, watch with me. 1888, Christ was trying to wake up the church. Watch with me, watch with me. World War I, he was trying to wake them up. Watch with me. World War II, he tried to wake them up. Watch with me. And in 1989, what does he say? If you don't watch this time, you're going to sleep on now. And I'm going to raise up a new organization that's going to watch with me until I come the second time. And that's where we are now. Christ is raising up a new organization of people who, who, who accepted this message at 9-11 and began by his mercies to watch with him. Satan's deceptive power to keep us lukewarm was broken at 9-11. We're still Laodiceans. Jesus says, he that overcome will I grant to sit with me. So, amen. So Satan, he can no longer keep the old path away from our understanding. So every single Adventist who went back to the old path at 9-11 is watching with Christ. And we're watching his movements, and he's teaching us that he's about to enter into the judgment of the living. Isn't that what he's doing? Because we're watching with him. And if we don't keep up a vigilant watch now, we're going to sleep on in this Laodicean condition that at some point or another we stop progressing. So we don't want to stop progressing now because we should be in more covid was designed to teach us we should have put on a much more earnest watching than we've ever put on in all of our life. There's not a sing anyone alive today, including Ava, has experienced COVID. Every single human being alive today has experienced COVID. And the reason for that experience is to show us what's coming in the future. And what the Lord showed us is coming in the future. We are going to be compelled to receive something against our will by the by the by the government uniting with the medical institute. And the medical institute is the church. The spiritual medical institute is the church. And Christ is teaching us, watch with me more than you've ever watched before because I'm giving you an example of the state coming together with the church and they're going to compel people to receive a vaccine. Is this not what he taught us? So he's, amen. So he says, put on a vigilant watching right now because the, the thing that Adventists have been watching for their entire existence as a Seventh-day Adventist is right upon us. It's right upon us. Amen. Yes, it, it is oppression. Yes, that's what Revelation 11 teaches us. Amen. So that's what Revelation 11 teaches us. So Christ is asking us to watch more than we, we need to break out this Laodicean condition. And if we don't, if we're not recognizing that we are Laodiceans, and that we need to come out of it more earnestly than, man, I, I, don't know, I don't know what the Lord can do, do for us. But we should be coming out of it. 9-11 was where we began our process of coming out. We're not fully out of it yet because from time to time some of us sleep again and the Lord has to come and wake us up. But he doesn't want us to do. He wants us to stay awake. And that's this hot condition. When someone's hot, it's hard to sleep. We know from experience. When it's really hot in the room, we can't sleep. When it's really cold in the room, you can kind of go to sleep. As long as you got that blanket, you can kind of, but you still know that you need some warmth. And, and we know from experience, when you're cold, nine times out of ten, you don't want to get up. You don't want to move. Even though, like, like my daughter did it the other day, she was freezing. The blanket was right there by her foot, but she thought she'll be more warm if she just stays there and not get the blanket. 
Does that make sense? That doesn't really make sense. It makes sense to suffer a little bit more cold, reach for that blanket, and get that warmth. That's what Christ is asking. I'd rather you were cold because if you're cold, you know you need that blanket. But don't think the blanket's going to come to you without some effort. That's the difference now. We got to make an effort. But at least we know we're cold. But if I'm lukewarm, I'm not that cold, nor am I hot. I'm going to just go to sleep. I'm fine. I'm going to just be at ease. I'm not going to move. Okay, so here's the problem. Who is the first lukewarm person in all of history? In all history. Christ is not telling us he's going to do something if he never did it before to give us an example. So who's the first lukewarm person? We all know the answer. Probably just don't know how to say it, huh? No, she wasn't the first lukewarm person. She was the first lukewarm human person, but she wasn't it. Lucifer was the first lukewarm person because Christ says, I will what? Spew you out. What well, this one just went over. I beheld Satan spewed out. As lightning. Because when, when Christ and his angels was rebuking him in heaven, it wasn't moving him to repentance. And he wasn't willing to acknowledge that he was destitute of God. He was willing to stay in his lukewarm condition in heaven. In heaven. He was willing to, he, Christ was trying to tell him, be zealous therefore and repent. Yes, he was. He was rich and increased with good. He was a light bearer. Who was going to give him knowledge? He was the one that gave knowledge. Any knowledge that was to come to the angels, anyone came through him. So, and because of that richness, he lifted himself up. What is that? Any knowledge that was to come to the earth was to come through the Jews. Any knowledge that's to come to the end of the world is to come through Adventists. You know, that's why Christ stands at the door. Amen. And who took that? So Christ took that position. Christ took that position. So is everyone following? So if we don't repent, we're of our father to who? Yeah. The devil. We're carrying his character. He knows how to make people lukewarm because that's the spirit he introduced in society, into God's universe. He, he's the father. He's the author of the lukewarm state. Is everyone following? That's, these, these should be reasons enough to compel us to leave this condition because we're only copying, we're only duplicating his lifestyle. That's all we're doing. But Christ gave us an example. Christ was zealous from baptism till death. And even now Christ is even more zealous because the time is even more in, in need of, of, of saving people. Okay, so why is that important what we just went through? You know, I learned something really nice this morning. I heard this, I heard this word used before. We're going to go through our notes and it's a little short piece. So that's what, If everyone has a notes, I'm on the page 11. And we're going to read there. But I just wanted to put these things in first. I'm, we're not up here just to teach and give wonderful thoughts. That's not why I don't try to teach like that anymore. Just giving a wonderful thought. God's word is always thoughtful. God's word is always uplifting. God's word is all, it, There's never a time God's word doesn't uplift, encourage, and strengthen. Never a time. Never a time. God always wants to do that. But what God wants for us is to have a good knowledge of the plan of salvation. If we don't have a proper knowledge of the plan of salvation, we're, we're doomed. We need a knowledge of the plan of salvation. The Lord wants us to know that He exists, but He also wants us to know that He's our Savior. And, in, and the message to Laodicea is representing a people who don't recognize their need of salvation. They believe they're saved. And they don't have no need of salvation because they don't see their hopeless condition. We're unable to see these conditions. And, and if we don't see our need of a Savior, then we won't make the right call. And if we don't give the right cry, we won't get the right deliverance. There's a right cry we must give in order to get the deliverance. And if we don't give it, it's because we don't recognize it. Or we don't recognize how serious our condition really is. And the message the Odyssey, Christ is trying to make us recognize how serious our state really is. Because if we really realize it, we would really, if we really realize what it means to be spewed out of Christ's mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the what? He won't confess you before the Father because you're no longer in his heart. You're not there anymore. You're left to yourself. The spewing out is a people who's left to themselves. 
destitute of, of a Savior, destitute of God, even before the Sunday law. We don't want to be like that. Once the Sunday law comes and we didn't overcome this condition, sleep on. I'm not taking your name up. I'm not taking it, but praise God. God is not going to allow, I love saying this all the time. God is not going to allow one single seven-day Adventist to come to the Sunday law and not be given an opportunity to prepare for it. And I love my Savior for that. Not one single Adventist is coming to the Sunday law and not being given an opportunity to prepare for it. That's not the Savior we serve. He's going to give every single Adventist an opportunity, but the time in which, in order to prepare for it, becomes much more crucial as we get closer to it. It's going to become more difficult as we get closer to prepare for the Sunday. The civil Sunday law is not going to be an easy thing. It's going to be just as difficult as the Sunday law. Just not a whole lot of pressure, but there will be pressure. And the next, this next phase that we're going through the midnight, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be just as difficult. It's difficult now. And, and whatever difficulty, just magnify that times 10 and, and so forth and so forth. But here's this. The Lord taught this wonderful, nice little thought, and I pray that we can all appreciate it. Swindon touched on it, but I want us to see an element of it, why it means so much to me now. What does signified mean? Does anybody know what signified means? Please say it quickly if you know it. Identification. Identification. Signified. Ex explain. 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 What do you mean by explanation? You're on to something, but what do you mean by it? If you say it's as it signified as being, it explains that or elaborates it. You can say that. You can say that. You can say that. Yes, it, it does confirm a sign. You can look it up. <clears throat> signified means to convey an idea or a thought by a sign. That's what signify means. That's why I said explain, explain, explain. Amen. So this marker, uh, this marker, uh, what can I use? What can I use? Driving. Driving. Sign by the road. I want something easy. Okay. You know, I'll just use the Bible. Like the Lord used the lamb. The lamb signified Christ, but the, the, the lamb is not the thing that it signifies. It's just something the Lord used to give an expression or an idea of what he hopes to do by using that symbol. So, okay, what, why am I saying this? Creation is everything God has create, created gives an idea, expresses an idea or a thought of our creator. The sun there's an idea. When you look at the sun, it expresses an idea or thought that God gives. This is why you can't have evolution. Evolution is foolish because the idea that the sun expresses has to be in agreement with what the tree expresses. It would have to be in agreement with what the water expresses. That means every idea is linked to every other idea. Every other idea points, points to something. If I put an idea in something, it means that something outside of that thing is where, the, where it really comes from. Is everyone following? I don't know how to properly explain it as yet, but I'm just going as the Lord is showing it. So the sun, the pagans, they took the idea and worshipped the thing that gave them the idea. That's what the pagans did. The Jews had the knowledge of the one who made the sun, so they worshipped the God of all ideas. The sun was only there to express the idea of the one who created it. And so is the moon, the trees, and the stars, and everything else. Okay, so every living person on this planet, every single day, creation is expressing an idea to them. What Satan did was he, was, he came in as sin and eclipsed the idea or the expression by giving it a counterfeit idea or expression. So now man lost the true knowledge of the idea that should be expressed to them that comes from the signs that they see in creation. So when Adam and Eve fell, they no longer had the power to read to see sun, tree, moon, and stars and get the right idea expressed to them. They now had a thought that eclipsed that idea, that blocks that idea. So Christ now had to do what? He had to come and save them. He gave another idea. Creation gives us an idea of a creator. But now man needs a what? So God needs to give an idea of how he's going to save, and that's where the sanctuary service comes from. Only one group of people is given the idea of salvation. 
Adam was the first one given the idea of how God was going to save. And Adam had to pass this down to his children. And the first one to reject that idea recorded in the Bible was Cain. Cain decided he didn't like this idea of salvation. He thought it was foolishness. He was ashamed of it. He was ashamed. So he invented another idea that man can save himself without going to the cross. He became lukewarm. Is everyone following? He didn't think he needed to be zealous and repent. Neither did he see that he was destitute of God. So that condition is going to lead to the slaying of your brother. Is everyone following? Christ is trying to convey this idea to us that we don't want to remain there. Or we're going to end up doing We cannot escape doing what Cain did. If we remain lukewarm, we're going to do exactly what Cain did. That sign was put in the Bible to convey that thought, our idea to us as to why we don't want to remain lukewarm. We're going to become murderers. Yes, we're going to become murderers. To remain lukewarm is to end up a murderer. You're going to be led to believe you don't need a savior, nor are you destitute of God. And you're going to murder as a result. You have to, because that's what's recorded in the scriptures. It's not going to change. It's not going to change. If we remain in that condition, we're going to do exactly what Cain did. And we're now going to become a sign of what not to do. Is everyone following? I pray I'm conveying this. So sign signified means to convey a thought or idea. So God gave to the Jewish church the sanctuary. If anyone wanted a plant to know how they're to be saved, they had to find the Jewish people. Creation already told them about a creator. But now how do they come to their creator? That's what the Jews was raised up to do. That's why Jesus says in John 4, salvation is of the Jews. If anyone wants a knowledge of salvation, they had to find their local Jew. That's the reason for local Seventh-day Adventist church. If anyone wanted to be saved, find your local Adventist. But unfortunately, the local Adventist is lukewarm. They need salvation. They don't know the way to salvation anymore. They've become rich and increased with good, and now they, they say they have need of nothing. So anyone in whom they convert, they're going to have need of what? Nothing. Because the only thing they can give is nothing, so the only thing they can expect in return is nothing. So now Christ needs to find somebody amongst the brethren and give them a knowledge of the plan of salvation. And praise God, he found Jeff Piffinger. And he gave Jeff Piffinger the plan of the knowledge of salvation, of how he's going to save people at the end of the world. Daniel 11, 40 to 45 is our message of salvation. That's where you get salvation. That message was designed to arouse us from our lukewarm condition. Literally. Literally, it was designed to keep us from being lukewarm because what happened in 1989 has some is speaking to us. It was a sign. 1989 signified it. In 1989, there was an idea or a thought that Christ wants us to receive of what he's going to do in the time to come. And 9-11 makes it even worse because 9-11 showed buildings coming down as if made of pitch. There's no fire on this planet that can make turn instant steel to ashes. No, there's no fire that's known to man that can turn steel to instant ashes. There's no such thing on this planet. So what idea is Christ signifying to us? Man, some people's going to be supernaturally destroyed. Is everyone following? Amen. Some people are going to supernaturally, they, they, they're going to be so disgusting to Christ. He has to deal with them himself. The man of sin, is he not going to be supernaturally destroyed? Not even a, before the lake of fire. Isn't he going to be consumed by the brightness of his coming? And then raise again to, to the end up what, what Swinon said, consumed in the lake of fire? This is the Laodicean's path. Is everyone following? If we remain lukewarm, we're on that path. We're on that path because a lukewarm man 
has more light than anybody else. Whoever has the sanctuary has more light than anybody else. And if we don't live up to that light, we're dealt with worse than anybody else. Hence why Christ says, I will spew you out of my mouth. Is everyone following? I will deal with you myself. If you want to leave, if you don't want to leave that condition, I'm going to deal with you. And that's, these are the reasons we don't want to remain in this state. And by the grace of God, I pray that this, these messages that are taught is, will move us to repentance. I hope that we're not hearing these things Sabbath after Sabbath and we still go home like Lucifer and don't make any changes. I hope we don't end up like Cain and don't think that we need to make changes. That I, I, I don't know who he's, he's not talking to me. His message is not talking to me. His message is talking to somebody else. I'm talking to my own self, too. We all have changes. This message of Revelation 3 is designed to really make us self-reflect. That's what it's designed to do. It's really a thermometer. It really tells us which, which state we're in, whether we're hot, cold, or lukewarm. It really does do that. The studying of this passage helps us to know our true temperature, our true temperament. You can't separate Revelation 3 from Matthew 25, and you can't separate Matthew 25 from Daniel 11, 40 to 45. It's impossible. Literally impossible. You can't separate it. Both are about the kingdom. One shows you who's going to receive the kingdom, and Daniel 11 says it's Michael. He gives you a name. He doesn't just, Matthew 25 says the bridegroom, but Daniel 11 says Michael is the bridegroom. There's the ones that's going to spew the people out right there. His name is Michael. He's going to spew people out because the one in Matthew 25 is the lamb. He saves people from sin. But Michael deals with those who are unwilling to be saved from what? Sin. He's going to punish those who are unwilling to receive the message of the lamb. Is everyone following? You can't separate Matthew 25 from Daniel 11:44. It's literally impossible. And you can't separate Revelation 3 from Matthew 25 and Daniel 11, 40, 45, and Matthew 22. It's literally impossible. Those chapters literally go together. They're a glue. They're stuck to each other. And they are signs to signify the thoughts and ideas that Christ wants us to receive so that we would arise and wake up out of our condition. And you can't separate it from Daniel 7, 9 to 13 either, or 14. And you can't separate it from Daniel 8, 14. And you can't say, basically, they're all just tied together. And they're designed to really wake us up. To, Christ really wants us to see the future and make an effort based upon what we see. He says, I will spew you out. That's future. So he expects us to see something in the future that signifies us being spewed out. And that is designed. Whoa, if that's how he's going to spew people out, Lord, have mercy on me. That's what Jeff saw. That's what he saw. He saw the close of probation at Advent is if they don't recover from this lukewarm condition. As soon as the Sunday law begins, those leaders who kept people from repenting from their lukewarm state, some of them is going to be met with a supernatural destruction. And, and we're going to know because the Bible says God is known by his what? Judgments. We're going to So leaders of the Adventist church. If this message gets to you, I pray that you would be zealous and repent and you begin by seeking the old path. And those of us, if any of us watching this attend any Adventist church, you have a responsibility to go up to your leaders and tell them to go read the Time of the End magazine Daniel, that's talking about Daniel 11, 40 to 40. You are now obligated to go help your brother to repent. And trust me, if they're like Cain, they're going to kill you. But that's fine. It's only designed to bring knowledge to God and the message for the hour. That's all it's designed to do. The slaying of the righteous, it brings a knowledge to others that needs that information. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's what it said, right? Amen. Praise God. So I, I pray that we're encouraged to, a part of waking from our Laodicean condition is sharing the message with others, commanding them to repent. That's a sign because if you're hot, you're working. If you're cold, you realize, Lord, I'm not working and I need to work. Is everyone following? Yeah, you realize, Lord, I need to wake others up because in helping others overcome, I overcome. 
that's a part of it too. It's we, the midnight, does anyone know the, mid, the midnight cries of people that's designed to be waking up and realizing what they need to do? And since the fifth day, the fourth month, Christ has been trying to wake us up to service. To service. Since the fifth day, the fourth month, he's been trying to wake us up to service. A part of our waking up and coming out of our condition is recognizing the destitution of others. If we can see others' destitution, praise God. We now know what they need. And if I go try and give them a need, then I'll end up seeing my destitution and Christ can now give me my need. That's all tied to it. It's all tied to it. But let's continue the notes. Can we go into the notes? Can I have a reader for that first quote? We can skip over the verse. I think it's Revelation 3 and it talks about... Um, be, is it be zealous and repent? Is it that portion? Yeah. You can. What was highlighted there? What was highlighted? Okay, you could skip that and go to the quote on by your eyes, Smith. No, that's on the next page. It should be the next page. The charge you bring against them. What is it shown by? So what is Christ trying to do for us? And what is the good works he's been trying to tell us to do? Witness to our faith. Give evidence of what we believe to others. Is everyone following? Since the fifth day of fourth month, Christ has literally been trying to wake us up out of that lukewarm state that we've been in that told us we shouldn't witness to anybody. Is everyone following? And since that time, he's been trying to wake. That's a part of coming out of our lukewarm condition. That's also a part of it. Another part that the Adventist church do is that they think that they're witnessing to people, but they're not bringing the message of salvation. That's a lukewarm state. They're just giving people a bunch of nonsense, nothing with substance whatsoever. And it's leaving people in that destitute condition. I can't hear you. Yeah, the problem with them is that they believe that that good works is taking them to heaven. That's the problem. Remember, they're rich and increased with good and think they have, they don't think they need what's in the book. Yes, they don't think that what's in the book they need. They don't think that. Yeah, that's, that's, what, they, that's what they are. That's what it says. Yeah, amen. They don't think they have any need of any of the things written there. Because they think they already have it. And that's the problem. They, Laodiceans need to read. What their problem is, is not natural things. It's spiritual things. An understanding of spiritual things. When we realize that we have a lack of spiritual understanding, man, praise God if we can see that. That our understanding of reading, how we just took Cain and Abel and showing it in Revelation 3. That, to see that, man, praise God if you can see that. Praise God if you can see that. You can only see that through the Spirit of God. That's the only way you can see that. That's what Laodiceans lack. They lack the ability to open up their Bible and see how Cain and Abel's talking about literally right now. They can't see how Trump is like Abel and the government of America is like Cain. They can't make that application. Because all they see is that Trump is a wicked man. Yeah, I know he's a wicked man, but Trump's trying to defend the Constitution of the United States. Was not what he was trying to do? He may have other agenda, but it doesn't matter. He was trying to raise up the Constitution from where it was. But the Cain, the, the people who don't like that, they decided they want to now kill him. But Abel's a righteous man. What about Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar was also Abel. And so forth. Abel represents the servants of God, those who recognize and they do what they need to do. But Abel also recognized those chosen by God. Specific people, such as Seventh-day Adventists. Is it, how can you make these applications? Because one is a principle and one is a prophecy. One shows us that whenever we try to defend truth, whether you're in the world or in the church, you'll receive the same, same 
spirit from those who hate truth. The same spirit, they'll manifest a Cain-like spirit. Cain is not just applied to people who believe. Cain is applied to anyone who has that spirit. Abel is not just applied to anyone who's a Christian. No, Abel applies to those who, who love truth and who loves what has been taught to them as truth and hold on to that truth and are willing to lay down their lives for that truth. Infidels as well as professed Infidels as well as professed Christians. They build towers. Amen. They both build towers. But the most important people is those that have a knowledge of who they're laying down the truth for. That's the difference. And that was the Jews. The Jews had a knowledge of the Creator. The, the, the Gentiles didn't. But they worshipped the God of creation, though many of the Gentiles, better than the Jews. But they didn't have the plan of salvation. The Jews had that knowledge. And that's what made them a little higher than everybody else. And that Seventh-day Adventists, we've been made a little higher than everyone else because of the sanctuary. Those who have the right understanding of the sanctuary is a little bit higher than everybody else. Because we have a knowledge of our Creator and a knowledge of our Redeemer because Christ was both God, Creator, and man, the Redeemer. Amen. One died for our sins, the other takes away the sin because He's Creator. He can create in you a new heart. He can take the old heart and give you a new one. But you can only get the new one if you accept the Redeemer, the Lamb. That's the only way you can get it. You must acknowledge the Lamb. You must acknowledge the Savior that this man was God's chosen to lay down his life and take away our sin so that the divine nature of Christ can now take it and give us a new heart. So this is why we need a knowledge of creation and a knowledge of redemption. That's why we need both these things. And the message of Laodicean is come get these things because it's in these things where we get the oil from. God is creator and God is redeemer. The message to Laodicea is about character. It's not dealing with events. It's dealing with character. As Laodiceans, we have a hard time of recognizing our condition. That's, that's, that's the Laodicean problem. We have a hard time of recognizing, but a right understanding of God as creator and a right understanding of God as redeemer will help us to recognize our true condition. And right now in the world, men and women have a wrong idea of God as creator. They don't know that God created male and female, made he them. They don't know that. But those who have a right idea of their creator is to go and warn these people that you need to change your course. You're, on the wrong, you're going the wrong direction. This kind of a lifestyle brings down a severe punishment from heaven. And we read about that in the sign of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's where we read this. And the information that that's to convey to us is that God really hates this sin. Because it confuses the minds of children. Not even grown-ups, children. It confuses their minds. But man needs a plan of redemption, and that's, once again, that's where Advent is coming. Continue with the quote, please. Okay, can you go on? And now he gets three, three things, right? He shows as to why it can be, why it has to be the church. Can I have a reader for those three things, please, loud and clear? I would, though, with cold or hot. Three states are brought to view in this message, the cold, the lukewarm, and the hot. It is important to determine what condition they each denote in order to guard against wrong conclusions. Three conditions of spiritual life, which pertain to the church, not to the world, are to be considered. What the term hot means is not difficult to conceive. The mind at once calls up a state of intense fervency and zeal when all the affections raised to the highest pitch are drawn out for God and his cause and manifest themselves in corresponding works. To be lukewarm is to lack the zeal, to be in a state in which the heart and earnestness of wanting, in which there is no self-denial that costs anything, no cross-bearing that is felt. So what is a lukewarm? No self-denial that what? Cost anything. So you, how, how is that possible? A lukewarm person will not give you $20 except they have $40. Yeah. I'm not going to give you my 20 unless I have another 20 to cover the 20 I gave you. Mm -hmm. That's a lukewarm person. I'm not, I'm not going to do anything for you that's not going to bring me some returns. That's lukewarm. A hot person is, I'll suffer loss. I'll suffer. I, you know what? This is my last 20 to, 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 to deny, it means you, have, you really have to lose something. Yeah. 
And you have to trust that God's going to take care of what you lost. You have to have such a faith, Lord, this is my last 20, and I wanted to pay my phone bill. But my brother, ah, he doesn't even have any food. My phone bill or food? Man. You know what, Lord, I'm going I'm to I'm take care of Here's my, here, here you go, my brother. Go buy some food for you and your family. It's, it's a $20 I have. Go buy some food. I can go I can, Let them cut off my phone. It doesn't matter. That's real self-denial. That's real self Man, you can have my phone. It's just a phone. Do I really need it? No, I don't really need it. But does he really need food? Yes, he really needs food because the Bible says if we have food and raiment, be content. And my brother don't have any food, so he's not content. So I'm going to leave him in an incontent state? I can't do that. Because Christ didn't leave me in an incontent state. Sometimes you have to give up. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So the lukewarm state, so here's why I'm saying this. Let's measure ourselves by what we just read. Do I do that? Am I willing to lose sleep to pray with a brother or a sister that's sick? Am I willing to stop doing what I'm doing, cleaning my house, to go... I don't know, go do something to help somebody around me that I know needs help? Am I willing to do that? Measure ourselves by that. This check out thermometer. Am I like this? If somebody need, if someone needs needs the help, am I willing to stop in my tracks what I'm doing and go lend a helping hand? How do I know what is my sign of that? God stop creating so he can recreate God put a hole. God says, sun stand still, moon go not down. Let's fix our neighbor. He says, 99 sheep I have. The other worlds he has, but none of them have fallen except this one. So the Lord put everything on stop. I'm going to go save this one. So Christ was willing to deny himself, and Christ went even further. He denied himself of his omnipresence and confined himself to a man. He can no longer be anywhere at the same time, all the time, anymore. He's now confined. He was willing to confine his life to give you and I life. That's what he did. He was willing to put himself in a hard place so that we can live. So are we willing to put ourselves in a hard place so that somebody else can live? Am I willing to do that? Am I ready to make that kind of a sacrifice without even a thought sometimes? Man, my brother and sister needs this. Man, here you go. Are we like that? Because to be like that is to be hot. You don't even stop to think, you need it? Here it is. Mm -hmm. To be cold is to think about it. At least you give it some thought. Mm -hmm. Man, my brother needs it. Man, but I got to go with this. That's kind of cold that you have to stop to do that. But at least you know you have to do that. But a lukewarm man is, man, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you, brother. Oh, you, you need some shoes? I'll pray that God send you some shoes while he has six pairs of shoes. Same size, too. I'll pray for you that God gets you some shoes. That's lukewarm. You don't even stop to think about it. And you're not even as zealous. Here, here's the shoes. Is everyone following? That's, let's, God, when we read our Bibles, we're to measure ourselves in the light of what we're reading. Measure. It's us that this is talking to. Lord, am I like this? Do I meet these conditions? Lay the ruler to your own life. And see if you meet these conditions. And if you meet these conditions, don't, you don't, don't lift yourself up. God, uh, help me to help somebody else come up to this condition. Amen. Help me to help somebody else. Amen. I thank you for giving me the strength and help me to meet. But, but praise God. And, and let's go on. Next quote, please. Go ahead. Amen. That's true. If you're always giving, the Lord will not let the hand be empty. It's his power, it's his wealth that you're giving. Amen. It's, never it's not yours. It's Amen. Not mine, right? Amen. It's not mine's to give. You know. Amen. Next reader, please. You reading the third one or the second one? Is that the second one? All right, you go ahead. It says, um, in which there is no self-denial that costs anything, no cross-bearing that is felt, no determined witnessing, for Christ and no valiant aggression that keeps sinew strained and armor bright. And worst of all, it implies entire satisfaction with that condition. What does it do? You're satisfied with being like that. 
That's to me that was scary. Your salad, that means you have you have no way of seeing that your condition. Because you're, and that's the state of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and that may be the state of many of us. We're satisfied with only studying once a week or twice a week. We're satisfied with saying to our brother or our sister, Jesus is coming soon. We're satisfied. Are we satisfied with just, I don't know what we're satisfied, but are we meeting what's written there? Are we meeting what's written there? The reason why the Lord is doing this, I believe, if we really believe what's coming in the future, that we should show that by our works. Our works should testify that I really believe what Christ is saying is about to take place. I really believe it. I really believe, you know, as Swindon was presenting, and he, he touched, I think that's when he was presenting. Man, I sat there and I said, oh man, Lord, that's really going to happen. Sodom, just, just stop and think for a minute about this. And when Swindon was sharing it, and I said, Lord, give us, all you, all you can say is, Lord, give us the strength. I don't think people really understand what's about to take place. I don't really think we understand it. We don't. Sodom and Gomorrah, what did God do to it? How many people was in that city? The entire city. So I'm like, Lord, you're going to destroy entire city full of people? That's yes, he is. That's what Abraham asked him. Yes, he is. Yes. And, and, and Swinomer, I'm like, oh, man, entire, lots of people just going to be killed one time. Yep. One time. That should make me say, Lord, give me the strength to witness to these people in New York. Mm -hmm. Give me the strength to witness to these people in the East. Because you're really going to wipe out cities. Yes, because people lost the sight of the fear of God. So he's going to have to put that back in them. He's going to wipe it out. But I said, God, praise your name that you're merciful. You're going to take buildings before you take cities first. He's not going to touch the cities yet by his mercy. And I said, God, thank you. You're going to take buildings to show, but how many, but you're going to take many buildings because he already took two. And since that wasn't enough to keep them on the straight and narrow, I'm going to have to take thousands more. So therefore, those who are living in these large cities, if you work in these buildings and corporations, we want to employ you to get out of those jobs now and leave that city and find a new occupation in the country somewhere. Because we believe those buildings in New York City, they are really going to come down. That's why we're saying these things, because they're really going to come down. And if anyone watches, if you live in New York City, I implore you to get out immediately. Immediately. And if you live in Atlanta, Miami, Chicago, name it, Tokyo, Paris, I implore you to leave now. They're going to come down. We don't know when they're going to come down, but we know they're going to come down. How do I know they're going to come down? 9-11 is the greatest evidence God can give to this generation that he, he's going to bring them down. And he made it beyond the possibility of doubt by making everyone witness steel becoming instant dust to show us that it's supernatural. It wasn't a natural destruction. Natural was not written upon 9-11. It was supernatural. Natural people was used. Natural planes was used. How can two planes make steel turn to instant dust? That makes no sense. It defies logic. So something else took place that day that the Lord wants us to see. And it's given us evidence that of what's to come in the future, it will certainly come. And if we believe it, guess what we will do? We will be zealous and what? Repent. We will be zealous and repent to show that we really believe what we're being taught. Amen? Amen. So let us continue. I think after that quote, he, the next one is some examples, right? Yeah, can I have the publican and the Pharisees? In this story, we're given a sign of the rich and the poor. This is, I love this story for the message to Laodicea. Let's read why a person is rich, and let's look at somebody who's now cold, who recognizes destitute condition, he repented of his lukewarm, and he says, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. This, this, is, this is the repentance of a Laodicean. Can I have a reader for that, please? This is one, two, and three. Wait, wait, no, you're far, man, you're far. Huh? There's a whole bunch of quotes here. Which quote comes between that? I got, um... I was going to skip some of those, that's why. No, the new thought, yes, it's I just, said new thought. yeah, the new thought, um, I, I, need, I, I would like to read it, 
because it's hard to explain it from the mind. You know, the, the new thought that I was trying to share there is that the coldness is also seen in the world and the lukewarm. But it's in a different way than in relation to the church. And we, if we don't see this, then it's not going to get it. It's because keep making the world a cold. Yes, because, yeah, because we can't make the world. It's a different kind of cold, but they're lukewarm too. And I'm, let me try to give one example. The, the religion of Islam. There's many, like ISIS, man, they were zealous for their faith. They were hot. If you weren't Muslim, they're chopping your head off. But you had lukewarm Muslim people who weren't zealous for their faith, and they didn't recognize that they were not really Islam, neither. They weren't cold saying that they need Allah. They weren't saying that. They were just saying, Allah, Muslim is peace. No, you're a false religion. You're actually a false religion. There's nothing peaceful about the Muslim religion. Absolutely nothing. There's nothing peaceful in that religion. The Bible says it's death and destruction. So ISIS was actually living up to their religion. Nobody was living Islam better than ISIS. And I dare anybody challenge that by studying Revelation 9. Because if my Bible says they torment and they kill. That's all they do. And the Bible says they darken. That's what they do. They darken, they torment, and they kill. It doesn't say nothing in there about peace. But it does say something about peace in there. What is it? You see those people over there who worship God the right way? Give them peace. But you see those people over there who worship God and worship the Son? Torment them and kill them. The only peace Islam gives is if we worship God the right way. But who's, whose commandment is that? God's. That peace is coming from God. Amen. God, God is not going to allow them to touch his people that's worshiping him, right? So Islam is a scourge against false worship. Not against true worship, false worship. So they're reserved for idolaters. And that's what 9-11 was showing us. Because these people are idolaters, here's the power that deals with idolaters. And the Lord used them to send a message to those who are in idolatry. Because that's what Revelation 9 says they deal with, idolatry. So the Lord dealt with them at 9-11, idolatry. That's what he did. That's what he's signifying. Those who are still worshiping idols, this power is going to come deal with you. They're reserved for idolaters. That's what They repented not to give him glory. They didn't turn. Just read the closing of that chapter. Islam is to deal with people like that. They're not going to touch those who have the seal of God in their foreheads, who worship God aright. The papacy does that, not Islam. The papacy does touch those that have the seal of God in their forehead. They do that work for Satan. But let's continue. So, you, um, and so they're cold, but you have those who are cold in Islam that recognize that they want to they repent Islam and all of these things. Is everyone following? They want to repent. So yes, you can make that application outside. But Revelation 3 is Christ specifically highlights the church. He's saying, look, in, in the church... You're not cold in the sense of you're, you're a, an atheist or an infidel or one that blasphemed God. That's not that kind of a cold. That cold, the, the cold that it's talking about is one who recognized they're destitute of God and they need the blanket to cover them. It's a, mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, they don't. That's not the church. They, they recognize they don't have love and they want it. And they crying out to God, that's, and that's what we're going to read the publican. That's not that kind. The, the cold you're talking, that's the world kind. Because love is not supposed to wax cold in, in, in the church. It's not supposed to, 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 to go out and so forth. And so it ain't supposed to go out. But can I have a reader for the next one? This is, what he, this is why he's separating these two, because Job manifests that cold, that cold. And Job did not lose love for God. And he used, I don't know if the Job chapter verse is in there, where, he's, where um, he uses Job to show that Job recognized he was cold. He says, where, I can't find him. To be cold is to say, I, I, Lord, where are you? I, I, I'm looking for you. I, I can't help me to find you. That's, that's that cold that Christ is talking about. There's two kinds of cold in the Bible. There's a cold that recognizes that you're cold. You're des- you need God's help. You want that fire. You want that zeal again. You want to win souls. You want your first love and you're hungry. And you're doing everything to get it just like the publican we're about to read about. But there's that other cold, the one that don't care, the one that don't want God in their heart, that don't want God in their mind. You're just cold and you're going to kill just like Cain. 
That's that kind of a call. The Lord is not talking about that one. He's not saying for us to be in that one, but to be the other one that recognize that you need God. You're cold. You don't have his warmth. You don't have, because it says, did not our hearts burn within us when he said, you don't have that warmth. And, you, and just like those two on the wall, they realized they didn't have that warmth. They were cold. And they wanted it. And Christ came near to them because they wanted it. And he gave it to them. He put the zeal back in their heart. And what did they do? They repented and went to go tell their brethren. Is everyone following? That's the state. Those are the only two states Christ says he wants us to be in. The one in Luke 24, those two on the wall that realized, man, they've taken away our Lord and we know not where they laid him. But they weren't going to leave what they've been taught. They weren't going to leave that. That's that other call. That's going to leave what they were taught. And you're, you're fine with being haters against God and his people. You're fine with that condition. You, that's not the call the Lord is saying he wants us to be in. It's not that one. Can I have a reader for the next one, please? Okay. Two, two minutes. Right two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and, thus, and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithe of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. The spirit of the lukewarm is to exalt yourself. That's the spirit of lukewarm. You go because you believe you're rich, and we believe rich and increase with good and have need of nothing. The Pharisee showed that he had need of nothing. I'm not like this publican, so I don't, I don't need what he needs. I'm not this. I fast twice a week. He's boasting about his richness. I do, just go talk to many Adventists. When, when you look at their churches, we baptized 100 people. We did this and we did that. And we went over here. We're going over here to Africa and we got a mission work going on over here. And we have this project going on and we have this going on. And we're doing this and we're doing that. Man, we got a thousand people to raise their hand and say praise the Lord in a country that didn't believe in God. Is that not what you see many a times? That's what you see. And they, and they look down upon us for the lack of that. You know how many times nobody watches y'all video? Look at how many subscribers y'all got. Look at how many people. We're destitute. We're like the publican. And we, all we can say is, Lord, the Lord has shown us our condition and what should be coming out of our mouth. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Numbers does not mean that you're successful. Money does not mean you're successful. What means you're successful? That you're able to see your condition, that you need a Savior. That's a successful man. Amen. Amen. That's a successful man. A successful man is one that recognizes his lukewarm condition and pleads with God for mercy. And then God gives him mercy. How does God give him mercy? By opening up his eyes so that he can see how 9-11 is a fulfillment of prophecy. So he can see how 2008 and COVID is a fulfillment of prophecy. If we can see these things, that's reasons to say, praise God, you're pouring oil into my vessel. But Lord, I don't just want to see the events. I want to see your character illustrated in these events that you allow to take place. Because by beholding your character of how you allow those buildings to come down, I will become changed into the same image. I want to see that, Lord. I don't just want to see how 9-11 fulfilled prophecy. I want to see your character represented in that because that's what we're going to bring to people. We're going to bring to them the fulfillment of prophecy and we're going to show them your character represented in that as well so that they don't get angry with you and become cold against you and the truth. But that they will see your love displayed in what you did at 9-11 and how you're justified for what you're going to do at the Civil Sunday Law. And then no man will be able to say anything because when the Civil Sunday Law comes to pass, their mouths will be stopped. Because a people display to them not just the events, the foolish virgins only focus on the events. And they miss the character. The foolish can't see that they're blind, they're poor, they're wretched, miserable, and naked. They can't see that. They're unable to see that. And by the grace of God, we don't want that to 
to be any one of us. We want to behold God's, God's character and all these things. And that, um, can I have the verse after that? Is, is it, it's not Proverbs, right? Hosea, yes. Can I have a reader for that? And after that is, a peop is um, the judgment, right? Okay. All right, that's where we're going to stop at, this verse. Can I have a reader for that, please? Hosea 12, 8. Ephraim said, Yet I am become rich. I have found me out substance. In all my labors, they shall find none iniquity in me that were sin. That's what Laodiceans is saying. There's no sin in me. Is everyone following? That's why Christ hates it. They don't think there's anything wrong with them. Nothing. Because we have this knowledge, there's nothing wrong with me. There's a danger in getting a lot of light that Christ tries to keep from us. Lucifer got to that point where he thought there was nothing wrong with him. He don't need to keep a law. He thought he had all the light that he can possibly get. And because he thought that, he thought that he was in a place to now make a war against his creator. He thought that his creator showed him everything he needed. And now that he knows all the secrets of the kingdom, he can take down the empire. Is that not what prophecy says? How did that work out for him? He failed. Because there was something that wasn't revealed to him. It was the plan of salvation. It wasn't revealed to him of how God was going to cleanse the universe of all the lies in which he has told. He never saw that. He never saw that God was going to make man and that man was made specifically for God to come and live. You know God was going to live here even if man didn't fall. God was going to live there. He was going to make his abode right here. He was going to, it was all a part of the plan. Because he was going to exalt him. So how? So what did Christ... Man, there's some things I wish we could go through and open up, and we don't have time to do it here. We're going to stop on this thought. But I'll say this. That thought that the Lord opened up about the state of the dead, the mortal and immortality, oh man, there's a lot of wealth of information in there that we really need to gather. Every truth that God opens up, it prepares the way for a bit of information that he wants to show to us. Every truth. That he opens up. There's a character in there that we that he wants us to get in that thought. And I and I just want to hopefully I can convey some of these things as as we go along. In that state of the dead that I Swin and I was speaking about, um, when Adam and Eve fell, for a little while the Lord left them to themselves to see just to see what they would do. Just before they fell. Just to see what they would do. The Lord how do we know that? Because when Christ went into the wilderness, God was with him for 40 days. And then the Lord left them to see what he would do. And then they were tempted by the serpent. Christ was tempted by the serpent. So for a time, God was with Adam and Eve. The angels visited them and taught them and prepared them and told them, hey, this is going to happen and so forth and so forth. And then there came a point where they just stopped. Now they waited to see what Adam and Eve were going to do. And at that point, Eve was just drawn to the tree. But what does the Bible say in Matthew 4? Christ was led of the what? So what was Eve doing there? The same reason Christ went there, to be tempted of the devil. Is everyone following? To be tempted, to see what they would do. And if Eve and Adam passed the test, the spirit would remain with them forever. Because Christ passed the test and the spirit remained with him forever. Is everyone following? There's a wealth of information in those things that the Lord wants us to, to receive, and it prepares the way for the additional information that he's going to give that we really do, do need to understand because it's a part of the plan of salvation. And here's one of them, and this is where I want to stop. 1798, if people understood what 1798 really means to us, we would really repent right now. I'm dead serious. If we really understood what 1798 means, and let me give us an example of just what 1798, just, this is just a surface part of it for the little that the Lord helps us to understand. The 1260, was the church, could the church freely eat? No, because the day the church eat from the gospel, they were going to die by the papacy or atheism. So the Lord had to restrain the power that kills people for freely eating his word. And in 1798, the Lord gave back the Bible to the whole world and says, freely eat. Because the papacy is coming back a second time where you won't be able to freely eat. Because the day you eat thereof, you're going to surely die by the hands of the papacy. 
Is everyone following? So 1798 marks the time of plenty when the Lord is just reigning knowledge of the plan of salvation in Jesus Christ in whom he has sent to everyone to freely eat because as soon as the man of sin comes back, as soon as the thing comes back that blocks people from eating, if you didn't eat prior to that time, you're not going to eat no more. That's it. You're not going to eat no more. So if we don't gather in all that we can gather, so what is 1989 in relation to that? Man, it's a, it's a greater time of plenty. But at the same time, famine is coming. How do I know that? Because I see God's spirit being withdrawn from where? The nation and the Adventist church at the same time. The Time of the End magazine come up to give us a wealth of knowledge because the Sunday law is right around the corner. Repent from your lukewarm condition because at the Sunday law I'm going to spew you out. But the Adventist church said, away with this three logo. Away with the first, second, and third. And let's follow the custom of the world and preach this gospel of love. Let's follow this custom of the, yes, this ecumenism movement. And then 9-11 happened. The Lord blew the trumpet because Islam is a trumpet. So the trumpet blew at 9-11 and brought those buildings down. And God, through Jeff, was saying, hearken to the sound of the trumpet. Hearken to the message that we're repeating the history of the millwrights. Because Islam went down in 1840 and Islam is back at 9-11. But the church says, we will not hearken. In fact, we're going to show that we won't hearken by introducing spiritual formation. That's what we will do. So just finish reading the rest of Jeremiah in relation to that. Just after verse 17, just read what the Lord says he's going to do to a people who said, and he, just keep in mind he's talking to the Seventh-day Adventist church. That's who he's talking to. Just read verse 18, 19, and 20 of what the Lord is going to do to the church that says, we will not walk therein, and we will not listen. Just read what he says he's going to do, and that's the civil Sunday law. That's what's about to come. A terrible judgment is about to come upon the Adventist structure. Terrible judgment. That's what Jeremiah said. That's what he said. And that's what Ellen White's talking about. So what does the Lord say to us? Be zealous therefore and what? And repent before those time come. And that's where we are as his people. And by the grace of God, Lord willing, we look into that word repent. You know, as, um, we, we'll, we'll finish here. That word repent, it means so much more to me now. And I pray that we will study out. That word is very, is a very important word. And I don't think many people really understand what that, what that word means. And I hope by the grace of God, as time goes on, we will look into that word. Because Christ says, be zealous and repent. Laodicea needs to repent of something in order, um, in, in order for them to get the, the promise that Christ has given to them. But let us close out here. I just want us to see the dangers of what's before us. The Sunday law is where Christ is going to begin to spew people out. That's where he's going to start that process. All who has not repented of their condition by the time the Sunday law comes, that's where he begins to spew people out. But before that time, I thank God for our merciful Savior. Before that time, he touches buildings, he touches institutions, he touches corporations, he touches everything but the person. Everything. He touches all of that before the person. Businesses are about to fail. If we thought that we have a job now, oh, that's gone. When the mid this next event comes, jobs is about to, those are about to be a thing of the past. And, and schools and all these, those are about to be, because that's what he's going to touch. Yeah, yeah, but the Sunday, yeah, that might be, yeah, amen. Yeah, you're right. But the Sunday law, that's bodies, man, bodies, lots of bodies, lots of people, thousands of people wiped out just like that. It's not that it's not going to happen now, but man, the Sunday law is going to be one awful time. And the Lord is saying, yes, 1798 literally means the time of gathering while we still can. Get all that we can before the papacy comes back up the second time, because that's the second depth. That's the depth from which there is no more resurrection. Mark of the beast. You receive this, dead. You're dead. But you receive the seal of God, you'll eat for all eternity. But there's a condition we must be found in before the Sunday law comes in order to be ready for such a, such a test. And that's the reason for the message to Laodicea. It's at the Sunday law where Christ begins that spewing out. And we don't want to be spewed out. And that's, so he says, look to that. That's literally what Jeff saw. 
In Daniel 11.40, the next verse he saw was the spewing out, and these shall be overthrown. Many shall be overthrown. That's the spewing out. And that seeing that revelation should really lead to repentance. Amen? So let us close out with the word. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you, O Lord, for your mercies and for tabernacling with us, O Lord, and being with us in these, in these last days. I really pray and ask, O Lord, that you please give us the gift of, of teaching, for you said the wise um, shall be teachers, O Lord, so that, we, so that people can be led to, led to repentance, O Lord, by the, by the truths that you're opening up to our understanding. We thank you for what you're revealing to us. Please may you continue to be with us as we go throughout the Sabbath. And I pray, O Lord, that the truths in which we've heard today, if we've heard your voice, please help us to, to go home, study these things, see whether they be so, and make them our own, and to really sit down and to try to understand um, the, the truths for these last days so, so that we can really see how prophecy is being fulfilled. As we see prophecy being fulfilled, a corresponding work should take place in our own individual lives um, to demonstrate that we really believe these things and that we really want to turn from the evils of our ways because we see what you say is coming and it will surely come. Please be with us. Please forgive us of our sins. Please create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.